Can we just spend a few moments to just stand in the presence of God? And let's stand in all of His presence right now. I just want you to look back to over this week. And try to see His work in your life. And let's give thanks to Him. Let's enter the gate of heaven with thanksgiving. Father no one compares to you God you're the king of kings the lord of lords the alpha the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end the one who saves Lord as we continue to worship you we want to thank you for your presence not just in this place but everywhere we go. Lord, I pray that your words will speak right into our hearts tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you will turn our hearts back to you to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why don't you guys take a seat? Wow. That was such an amazing praise and worship session. I'm actually losing my voice now. <clears throat> um, it's so good to see you guys tonight. And um, what an amazing time to start at 4 p.m. Isn't that awesome? Do you guys like it? Do you guys think it's, it's an awesome you know, time to start? You know what that means? It means I get an extra hour to preach on my sermon, hey? No, 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 JK, LOL. Sorry. My name is Frame. Um, believe it or not, my nickname is Frame. Um, every time I introduce myself that my name is Frame, everyone kind of go like, huh? Frame? What? That's weird. But let me give you a quick... Um, summary of how I got into that name. My parents are artists, so they named my name, uh, my real name, Papwad, which means picture. So if you go to Thailand, you say Papwad, can I see some Papwad? That means, can I see some picture? All right, so that's how I got picture frame. You guys kind of got that? Yep, very easy. Let's move on. So I've been here in Norsi for around two years now, and um, I came from a church called Father's Heart Church in Welshpool. And um, looking back over the two years that I was here since we were at Brainswood, um, I got to know so many amazing people in this place. And, you know, I, I, I am so blessed to be a part of the journey with you guys, to grow together with you guys and to get to know a lot of you. And not only that, we have such amazing, talented people in this place. You know, for example, like CNAF, you know, he can touch just about anything and turn it into a beautiful music. You know, I bet he can turn this phone into a beautiful music. <laughs> He's that good. And, you know, what about Billy? Billy is so good at drumming. You know, he drums so good that he keeps all of us awake. And not just that, you know, he's a guy who is doing a coffee, making coffee for us to keep us awake every single week. And Pastor Dexter, who is not here now, he's over in Brisbane, um, who, 
who is taking a two weeks break, and then he will be coming back soon. But I just spoke to him this morning, and he said that he's actually preaching. He's still serving God, even he, even in, um, as he taking his break over in Brisbane. You see, guys, we are surrounded by amazing people. And there's, the list goes on. There's so many more that I, I would like to uh, mention, but that would take another hour. But, um, um, but I just want to say that I'm so blessed to be a part of this family. And I won't take you guys for granted. So I just want to thank you for having me as part of this family. You know, all right. Two weeks ago, I was meant to be on a flight to Singapore. You know, and you, as you all know, I had to cancel because of the coronavirus. <laughs> this is because, you know, we had our six-month-old, um, our little Jasper, traveling with us. And um, because of that, we had to cancel our flight. It was a painful decision because it cost us around $600, you know, to reschedule. Uh, reschedule. But we, we think that life worth more than that. So, you know, um, we, canceled, we canceled the flight anyway. Let me tell you, the current number... The infected number is around 86,000 people and rising. Most of us know that the majority of the number is in China. However, outside of China, we are, going, um, we are getting an increasing number in countries like South Korea. From 200 last week, um, now it's up to 3,000. The virus is actually making a big impact into this world in terms of economy, and the worst is many people are losing their lives. Not sure if you heard about the news. Um, this morning, a 78-year-old WA man has passed away from coronavirus as well. So that causes a lot of people going to the shop and buy a lot of stuff. You know, it's all empty right now. Fear is what we see around the world at this hour. Tonight, I would like to bring to you the opposite of fear, and that is the gospel the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sitting in this room, I believe we have two groups of audience. One that has heard the gospel so many times, but I hope that this will be a great reminder for you. And second is someone who never heard of the gospel before. I hope that it will change your life like it did to me. 15 of July, 2009. Uh, during a youth camp that I attended, I was sitting in a room with a group of people, uh, mostly were teenagers. It was late at night. I remember the light was dim. There was a shower. Uh, there was a sound of water in the shower, because one of the guys decided to take a pool, but he didn't want to make it, you know, awkward. So he turned on the shower. Now we know all the trick. <laughs> we started off, you know, talking about movies. Had a few laughs in the room. Everyone seems to be enjoying each other's company. But have you ever experienced when people are talking and all of a sudden it just went quiet in the room for no reason? That happened at one point in the conversation. And I broke the silence by dropping a few questions. I said to the group, hey, why am I here in this world? And where will I go when I die? At that point, I was hoping that we would try to figure out together the meaning of life. But instead, someone shared the gospel, and it changed my life forever. Fast track to today. I am 11 years into my journey with my Lord Jesus Christ, and never once have I regretted my decision. Along the way, I picked up many evidence to support my faith, which I hope to share with you guys some other times. But tonight, I would like to take this opportunity to share with you 
Three things I've learned about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You guys ready? Number one, the gospel is for you. The foundation of our faith is built upon the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without his work, the cross, without his work on the cross, then we're definitely on a highway to hell. Highway, you know that song? You know, funny that this song is being uh, parade right now in Canning Highway because apparently the Canning Highway um, inspired this song. But who cares? <laughs> what I care is Christianity is completely different from the rest of the world religion's teaching. And no one seems to care about it. In fact, they said it's all the same. You know, they all worship, oh, every religion worships the same God. You know, whatever you believe, it will lead to one God. Well, let me tell you something. The world religions requires you to do good work to earn your way to heaven. Whereas Christianity requires you to believe that God has done the good work for you so that you can go to heaven to where God is. How? Well, let me remind you of what the gospel is. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I have a, a lot of embarrassing story, but this is one of the embarrassing story that um, I held as a secret for a long time. And um, I'd like to share with you guys tonight for the first time. So it was, it was me when I was five years old. So for those who are trying to picture me at five years old, just imagine me around this height and just put Jasper face on it. <laughs> I was in primary school and, you know, I, it was around in the afternoon. So I was in the afternoon and then waiting for my parents to pick me up. And while I was there, you know, I had this massive tummy ache. And I felt the heat in my tummy and I was like, oh, I need to go. So then I told my friend, Bro, I'll be back. So I ran to the toilet, and I was running, rushing in, rushing in, and then got to the toilet, closed the door, and at, at that point in time, it was too late. I could feel the heat just slowly coming out. <laughs> you know, you could just sense it, that it's just slowly creeping its way out into my underpants. I'll put my hands, you know, on the door, and I'm like, oh, it's coming out right now. What do I do? You know, the other, the other side of my, um, my thinking was that I want to take off my pants and then, you know, just let it loose, which I did after that. And I, hold, um, I, I finally did that, took off my pants and went down and just done my business. Now I was just looking at my underpants, you know, when you take off. Sorry, it's a bit, uh, you know, too much information. But when that happened, I started to see that, oh, like it's everywhere kind of thing. And it started drying up, you know, it's brown, everything. <laughs> And then I was like, oh my goodness, like, this, is, this is no good, this is no good. So then I put it back on and then, you know, I, I look back and like, why didn't I just chuck my, underwear, uh, my underpants away? But I put it back on anyway, I was five years old. So I went back to the room and everyone time smelled fun going on. Like, you know, I'm sensing there's some, uh, something funny, funny. And I was just like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, I didn't want to say that it was me. So I was just like, hmm, it must be the rubbish. And I managed to convince everybody that... It was the rubbish bin that making the smell. I lied. I lied. And this story, my friends, I believe that, you know, it cost me to lose my place in heaven. All it takes is one lie, one wrongdoing, and you're living an imperfect life. And if I ask you, does anyone here is a perfect, you know, living person, living your life perfectly? I'm sure a majority of you, all of you will probably say no. 
Because God requires you to be perfect, to be, where, to be where he is. The Bible says this, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8-9 You know, when I read this verse, I'm trembling at how holy God is. Why? Because this verse tells us exactly what will happen if you do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now some of you might think, yeah, right, I'm on a highway to hell. You know, you sing all that song and laugh about it, thinking that it's not true for them. You know, I have people looked at me and, and kind of like, you know, when I shared this to them, they gave me the impression that you're crazy, man. In fact, at work, they call me insane. Like what sort of weed or, you know, holy smoke did you smoke here, huh? Well, let me tell you this. Everlasting destruction or hell is definitely a place that you do not want to be. And the worst thing is, imagine one day when you die and realize that everything that has been taught in the Bible is true and you stand right there in front of God Almighty and at that time it's too late because you did not believe in what was shared to you. And you are to be separate from the presence of God for eternity, knowing that God exists and the Bible is telling the truth, but it's too late. Now that is scary. So what should I do, you know, to not end up in that place? Let me remind you. Let me tell you this good news. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinner, Christ died for us. How beautiful is that? Because you commit your first sin, just like I did that lie, Christ died for me. And yes, he did that two years ago. God came down to the rescue, being born of a virgin birth in Bethlehem in Jerusalem. Take note, it's not in, on Mars or Jupiter, it's here on this earth. Reveal his name to the world, live a perfect life, accused of a, a crime he did not commit. His body was beaten, blood was shed, his blood was shed, and he was crucified on the cross. He went through what we deserve, the punishment that we deserve. Instead, he sacrificed himself for us. He died on the cross and was buried and resurrected on the third day, according to the scriptures. So why did Jesus have to go through all that? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 said, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a beautiful exchange. I don't know about you, but I'm glad someone shared the gospel to me. I realized that it is impossible for me to live a perfect life. You know, I'm a sinner before I became a Christian, and I am still a sinner now. The only difference is that I was lost, but now I'm found. The righteousness is not my own, but my God, my Lord Jesus Christ, whom I trust. Now you might say, okay, okay, I believe you, I hear you. Okay, what next then? What must I do to get saved? It's simple, guys. It's said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, 
to 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess, profess your faith and are saved. The gospel is for you and I. It is up to you whether you want to believe it or not. And you know the scary thing is, um, you can be a Christian all your life, but you're still relying on your own good work and thinking that every time you sin, you doubt your salvation. And that is quite scary to me because the gospel is solely on what Jesus has done for you. That's why you can do the good work. That's why you can repent and live your life um, without sin. Second is the gospel will turn your life upside down. A couple of weeks ago, I came across this video on internet and um, don't, don't ask me how I got there, but it is a video of compilation of ISIS killing Christians. I don't know if many of you have seen that, but man, I've seen a lot of people got, you know, a lot of Christian being beheaded, mass gunshot, you know, or, you know, they put a bomb on the believers and just explode them and they record it on video and just like, you know, being all happy about it. It's pure wicked evil stuff. You know, they were, one thing I noticed is that it's funny that all lining up, but none of them were really crying or like begging for their life or like, you know, say, oh, don't kill me. I'll do whatever it takes to like, you know, not dying. But instead, what I saw in their eyes, what I really see is in that video is that they were so full of hope. In their eyes, I could see that they know exactly where they're going. In their eyes, I can see that they know that this pain is only for a short while, but there is eternity await for them. Isn't that crazy? The question is, what got them to that point? Is either they're crazy or what they believe is so true to them and so powerful to them that they'd rather die than renounce what they believe. What would you do if you're in that situation? Let me tell you about this man. His name is Saul. Um, he's a man who later became Paul. He's a guy who's in the book of um, Acts. Um, he was one of the religious leaders that lead the persecution um, before he became a Christian. And he's equivalent to the leaders of ISIS today. Amazingly, his life turned down after he encountered Jesus and the gospel that he has been taught to him. How did it happen? You can read in Acts chapter 9, but I'm just going to sum it all up for you. So basically, one day Saul was on his way to Damascus, and suddenly a light shined from heaven upon him, and he fell down to the ground. Then he heard a voice talking to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then he found out it was Jesus who spoke to him. So he asked, what should I do? As he trembling and astonished, Jesus told him to complete his journey and he will be told what to do next. Then Saul got out from the ground and realized that he was blind. So he got a few of his men that were with him to um, lead him by hand to Damascus. When he arrived at the place, he stayed there for three days without sight and did not eat anything. Another scene going on is um, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yep. I was going on as like, Ananias, you know. 
Anyway, he received a vision from Jesus. He he is a disciple of Jesus and he received a vision. And then Jesus telling him, go to a house and look for a a man named Saul of Tarsus. And when Ananias heard that, he was like, um, okay, him. Mm, I heard a lot of bad stuff about this man. You know, he's a crazy man. He go around and kill Christian. You know, and you know, Lord, uh, you asked me really. You asked me to go, but he, but that didn't stop him. He did as Jesus told him in, the, oh, in obedience, resulting in Saul received his sight back, and the gospel was preached to him. And straight away, Saul went away and preached. Christ in the synagogues, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What we can learn from this is there's two men, their lives were completely turned upside down. You see, Saul, he was a bully guy. You know, he's, he thinks he's the you know, top dog. He thinks that everyone is wrong, so he go around and thinks that the Christians are wrong, so he's just persecuting, persecuting all of them, you know, kicking them or even killing them. But one day he lost his sight and everything that he went through changes his life. He was told of the gospel and now he, he brought the gospel to Asia Minor, Europe and Italy. What a turnaround. Not only that in this story, we can see that Ananias, his life also turned upside down. Imagine if he is not a disciple of Jesus. He wouldn't have to go through, um, through what he did. He didn't have to go through that, um, uh, that task of going to, to someone um, who is you know, like pretty much like a killer to tell them the gospel. His life is turned around as well. You see, one day you might be directed to, to approach someone who you least expected. It could be your boss. It could be sharing the gospel to your boss. It could be a prisoner. It could be a guy who bullied you when you were, when you were young. And this brings me to my last point for tonight. The gospel is for us to share. This month theme is engaging with the gospel. And I know many of us here might find it hard to share the gospel in Western country because the gospel seems to be irrelevant and outdated. You know, it's done 2000 years. Yeah, there was a time there was a craze, but now who cares kind of thing, you know. People rather mock the gospel than believe what it said. But don't you worry, we have the Holy Spirit in us as the, God, uh, as the Bible promises in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, that if you believe in the gospel, you are sealed with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit is the one that will convict people's hearts that they need Jesus. Nothing is impossible with God. Our role is to be a messenger and share this truth to others. And you will witness the power of the gospel that will change lives around. I'd like to end with these scriptures. If I can have the bands up. Jesus, uh, this is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, Come to me, all you, ha- all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
For those who have never been out in the farm, a yoke is an instrument that used to plow the soil and in preparation for sowing seed or planting. Nowadays, we have a machinery, tractors to do the job, but back then, we used animals to do the job, usually cows or horses. This yoke that we're talking about is a two piece of wood, one that's go very long this way, and the other one is near the end, just a short one, and it goes on to two animals. You could imagine that this yoke is heavy, and to carry it, it is definitely a hard work. But in this picture, Jesus is inviting us to join him in the same position as him on the yoke. And Jesus took the reason why he said that my burden is light is because he took the heavy load for us, which represents the work of the cross, the fulfillment of the law. And what he offered us is a light burden. And that is to share what he has done. The gospel is for you guys. It will turn your life upside down. And it is for us to share. I just want to encourage you guys. It is, we are living in this time that you never know when you're going to go. I've lost one of my friends two weeks ago. Um, you know, we found out that one of my colleagues, he just dropped dead. And I wondered if anyone has shared the gospel to him before. And later on, I found out that one of my other colleagues has been diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'm waiting for the opportunity soon to share the gospel with her. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes we can be so timid and shy and thinking that it's not my it's not my duty or it's not my role to go and share what you have done to other people around us. To our friends, to our families. Lord, I ask that you would give us this bonus to go out and proclaim the good news and share what you have done for us. Engaging the world with the gospel. In this time, Lord, the gospel needs to be preached more than anything else.
Empower us, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would go before us. Prepare our workplace. Prepare the hearts of men. Give us the opportunity, God. Send us, Lord. Give us word to speak, God. Equip us, Lord. The message is so simple, but yet we are reluctant to do it. But Lord, not again, never again. As of now, Lord, I will declare that you are God, that you are Lord over our lives, that I will not be ashamed of the gospel, and I will bring the name of Jesus in my workplace and everywhere that I go. Father, I pray that we will carry the same heart, the same vision, the same mission to bring the good news to the lost soul out there. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. God bless you, church.